Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. And sometimes when we walk through situations and scenarios in life, we'll see that our life doesn't seem to line up with what we see the word of God saying. We'll see that that the word of God will say, man, by his stripes I'm healed. But there's pain in your body. Or, Or we'll be talking about finances and man, supposed to be pressed down, shaken together, running over, overflowing shall men give into my bosom. But the checking account isn't jiving. What I've learned is that that's usually one of two things or a combination of both. One first may possibly be a perception problem of how we're reading and seeing something in the word because we're reading it through a certain set of filters just like when I said, take it. And the other thing could be is that very possibly we've allowed our perception to affect our reaction and our action on what the word says. Because the fault is never in the word. The word is infallible and it accomplishes the purpose for which it was set forth to do. That's a promise that we can always stand on. It always does what it's supposed to do. And when we think about perception, one of the areas of life that I think we so often can get it a little skewed, I know I have in my life, none of y'all in this room probably ever have, but maybe one guy on the stream, maybe just one guy, and that's in John 10.10. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. How many in here have heard that scripture before? Almost everyone. That scripture says that that abundant life is supposed to be around us in every area of life that we walk in. It's supposed to be in our natural life and it obviously points forward to the supernatural life as well. But yet we find ourselves in this place where so many of us sometimes don't feel like life is abundant. And we're trying to justify what's going on in the natural with what's stirring around in our heart and what does this say? And it, it can create some issues. It can create some turmoil in our life. And that's what we wanna to address tonight. We're gonna to talk about that abundant life that sometimes seems to be out of reach. Let's pray real quick. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. It is always a privilege to get up here. Lord, we ask for open ears, open eyes, open hearts. And we pray for your anointing, Father, because without your anointing, this is just a pep talk, and that won't do any good. We need your anointing. We need our hearts and our ears anointed to receive from you so that we can leave this place different, transformed, changed from the inside out. And that's what your anointing does. So we invite you here tonight, and we thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Now, I just hit you with, ton, with John 10.10. 10. I don't even know what word I was fixing to say. Sorry about that. In your notes, the very first scripture that I have in your notes is Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8. And it says, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I've given you this land. 
Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore that he'd give your forefathers and to their descendants. He says, look, I've promised it. It's time to get it. I'm giving it. Go possess it. And right about now you're going, how in the world did he shift from John 10, 10 to Deuteronomy 1? Well, I'll tell you how. See, in John 10, 10, we get this brief little snapshot that talks about abundant life. But if we go back to the Old Testament, the Old Testament always has types, models, shadows, patterns to follow that point forward to the New Testament. It's been said that that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So whatever you find in the New Testament, you can find it in the Old Testament and there's an account in the Old Testament where some folks really got tripped up and it did not look like they were experiencing a life of abundance. And that's why I went back to this account in Deuteronomy. It's the account of the Israelites and the promised land. And that's what I want to walk through and address tonight is exactly what's going on when we can't seem to inherit the promised land, when it doesn't seem to make sense. But before we jump in and look at some keys that we're going to see that the Israelites, what we're going to do, we're going to learn from the Israelites. How about that? We're going to learn from their mistakes so that we inherit the promised land. But before we do that, we need to understand what areas we're even lacking in. We've got to decide what areas of life is it that are not experiencing this abundance that it speaks of. And to do that, we have to adjust our focus. We have to adjust our perception because, again, it's skewed sometimes. The things that we've encountered in life make us view these things a little goofy. I'll give you an example. Uh, Happiness. We often, as Christians, take happiness and switch it up with the word joy. And so we'll think that if we're not happy, that something's wrong, let's say in our marriage. Let's say if you're married, man, there's, there's not happiness in my marriage. And we'll begin to think that the marriage is the problem, but it's not. You can have joy in the middle of turmoil, I'll prove it, Jesus goes to the cross. I don't think he was real happy when he was encountering the crucifixion. I very seriously doubt that on his freshly beaten back as he carried the cross that he was smiling and singing and skipping. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's what happened. But then we jump into Hebrews 12, 12 and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so we wanna adjust that by defining some terms, okay? We're gonna have to define some terms so that when we view the abundant life, we view it properly. Exodus 3, 8, it's, it's the second set in your notes. It says, uh, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then again, it lists off the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Nagahites, all sorts of ites. The first word we're gonna define is good. We're gonna define the word good. Because we understand it as one thing, but here, I'm going back to the Hebrew because the Hebrew is what the Old Testament was written in. And it does mean good, excellent, just like we would think it does. But in this instance, it's used several places in the Bible. And in this instance, it's talking about fruitful and fertile. It's saying that the land is fertile and so it will grow good fruit. That's what it's talking about when it says good. And then the next word would be spacious. That's this cool little word, rachab, which is broad, but its root means having plenty of room to grow. And then the last word that we want to define 
is the word flowing, and it's just a cool word that I wanted to say, which is zoob, because it sounds cool. It means to overflow, to gush. Like if you kicked open the spillway on a dam, the water would gush out. And, and so that's what this is saying, and it's saying that it will overflow with milk and honey, and milk and honey is a reference to the availability of resources. That's really what it's talking about. Milk and honey are goods that are consumed. Think about that. God was saying, hey, this is the land. This is where you're going. Here's the goods in it that you'll be able to consume. And he wanted to make it clear to them that this was good and fertile land because in a drought, in a desolate place, cows don't produce milk very well and bees don't produce honey. If there's no flowers for the bees to get to, they cannot produce honey. And if there's nothing for the cows to eat and drink, they don't produce milk and you have to work at it to get milk from a dairy cow. I only know that because we used to have a dairy farm when I was like nine, like Pastor Cody said. So those are things that we consume, okay? But when conditions are right, they overflow. When you give a cow everything it needs to eat and all the water that it needs, you can walk by and sneeze and that thing will release milk. It's the craziest thing. And when conditions are right, The honeycomb will actually literally overflow. I Googled it and you can see the honey. If there's plenty of flowers and everything's growing good, the honey just pours out. And that's what we're promised to. He said, I'm gonna give you the right conditions to have this abundant life. I'm giving you a land where conditions are prime. So now that we've defined those things, what areas in life are in a state of lack? What areas in your life are not flowing with milk and honey? I gave you some blanks there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to really take a second and think about your life. Don't cheat and look at your neighbor's exam. This is for your eyes only. If you're with your spouse, y'all can go home and talk about it later. But, but put something there and put something that means something to you. Don't put car. I mean, okay, all right, so you need a new car, I get it. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe in your marriage you're not experiencing what the word says our marriage can be. The word says that our marriage is to mirror the relationship that Jesus has with his church. That's a beautiful and powerful relationship that's full of life right there. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe your finances, they need some of this abundance and overflowing. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your walk with God. Maybe your walk with God has gotten a little dry and there's no abundance in it. Well, there's good news for you. Number one, You've stayed long enough in that place. Deuteronomy 1.6 says, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. So don't waste any more time. You don't need to stay there. You'll see that you have a whole lot more to do with being stuck in that place than any other circumstance or scenario or situation in your life. And you don't have to stay there anymore. That word Horeb, I love what we see. God was so intentional when he put his word together. That place, Horeb, if you look that word up, I gave it to you out of this cool little tool called the Strongs. It means waste. And the root word of it means desolate. So God's speaking to the Israelites. They've been at the base of this mountain in Horeb, for about 38 years in this desolate, wasteful space. And he says, guess what? It's time to go on. We're not gonna get stuck here anymore. We're gonna move. And so we get to move tonight. We're gonna get equipped to get some movement going in our life. 
But to do that, we need to look at some things that hinder the journey. The Israelites were hindered and they had a lot to do with it. And for this, I asked Abi to create this awesome video and he did. So watch this video really quick. If it doesn't play, I'm quitting. Oh. I promise you he played this before and it worked. Who in here has seen this commercial? Okay, I'll give it to you. The whole crux of that commercial is that they are settlers. And we can't settle. Don't be a settler. I put that first because that is the number one thing that will keep you from inheriting the promised land. That is the number one thing that will keep you from walking in an abundant life is if you decide to settle where you shouldn't settle and not go in and take the land. If you look at our next point, letter A, says settling, Numbers 13 and 14. Numbers 13 and 14 takes the account of the Israelites. They took 12 spies and they sent them to go look at this land. These 12 spies go in, they see all this good stuff, they see grapes so big that two guys had to carry a cluster of them. Uh, Most theologians would say that they were about the size of grapefruits from what they've seen. They see this great land, took them about 40 days, the entire journey. They, they traveled there, scattered it, came back, 40 days. You do the math on why the Israelites took 40 years to get there. And when they get back, two of them have a good report and say, hey, let's knock this out. We got this. The other 10 gave a bad report and by their decision, the Israelites by their lack of moving, by their lack of trusting in God, they chose to settle. It was their decision. They chose to stay out there in that desolate, desert, wasteful place where God never intended us to live. It's not what he intended, but they chose to do it. They chose to settle. Don't settle. You don't have to. Mm. Think on this. God gave them the abundant land, but they had to take possession of it. Deuteronomy 1.8 says, see, I have given you this land. So go in and take possession of it. And just like our video implied, they chose not to go take it. Maybe some of us have refused to go in and take the land. That might be what's tripping us up. Hmm. John 10, 10, I'm gonna go back to our text. That very first text I gave you. I'll show you a little perception thing because we need to learn what John 10, 10 really says so that we can do it. John 10, 10, we read it, maybe not you, maybe it's just me. We read it and we say, oh man, I'm gonna get saved. Jesus is gonna come in. He's gonna drop everything in my lap. I'm gonna eat cheesecake every day. My wife and I are going to be intimate 364 days a year. The bank account's never going to be empty, and all I have to do is sit here. That's sometimes what we see, but read it for yourself. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, that they may have life. And that may have is a really cool little compound word. It's only one word in the Hebrew. And what it means is, is that he's going to make all the Uh, conveniences, all the advantages, all the opportunities, all the benefits available 
but you have to use them. You have to utilize it. That's what it says in John 10, 10. And so that's what we have to do. Number two, there are inhabitants in your promised land. Exodus 3, 8. There are inhabitants in your promised land. It says that it was the home of all those ites. Remember all those ites we read? I won't read them again. And they were told to go take possession of it. The statement take possession implies going with a show of force. It means going in and doing something about it. One time one of our dogs got stolen. And about six weeks after it got stolen, my wife, who's awesome, is coming home from work. The Lord taps her on the shoulder. She decides to go this crazy way home that she's never gone because the Holy Spirit directed her. She did it, and as she's driving around, she turns a corner, and lo and behold, in the front yard of somebody is our little dog, Gizmo, on a chain, and some boys out there playing. And my wife goes soccer mom ninja, locks up the brakes, slams it in park, kicks the door open in the middle of the street. I'm not making this up, ask her. And she runs over, takes off the chain, grabs the dog, runs back, gets in the van, slams the door, and I know my wife. Here's what I think she probably did to that little boy too. She was like, what? I have a feeling she did, but she took it. It was hers. She wasn't gonna let anybody else keep it because it's hers to go take. You got to take possession. There are inhabitants in your land that have to be dealt with. There are issues that have to be dealt with for you to inherit the promised land. And here's why. Because the inhabitants have to go. The inhabitants have to go. Numbers 33, 51 through 53 and 55. says, so speak to the Israelites, say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Say all of them. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it for I've given you the land to possess. But check this out. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes, thorns in your sides, and they will give you trouble in the land where you will live. If you don't drive out the inhabitants, if you don't take care of the issues, man, y'all just let me give my preach on for a second. Usually I teach. There are inhabitants you have to deal with. If you're in a marriage, look, look, man, let me just speak to you. I'm the men's guy here. Let me be real with you. If there's a problem in your marriage, the problem isn't your marriage. Maybe you've refused to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Or maybe you've been harsh to her. You know, the word tells us in 1 Peter 3 that if we're harsh to our wives, God doesn't hear our prayers. I didn't say it. God said it. It's in 1 Peter 3. Go check it out. That's a real, that's real. Ladies, there's trouble in your marriage. Maybe it's because you've refused to kick out some things. Maybe you're not following your husband as he tries to lead. That's really what submission means, by the way. It just means follow as he leads. It doesn't mean be a doormat. If your husband treats you like a doormat, you come see me. I'll smack him around for you because that's not what that means, okay? Maybe that's what the issue is. Maybe your issue is anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe there's addictions in your life that need to be dealt with. Maybe alcohol's a problem, and you know it is, and the Lord's been speaking to you about it. This isn't about salvation, okay? This is about inheriting the abundant life, okay? You're saved. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship you shouldn't be in, and I'm not talking about a marriage, 
Maybe you're dating somebody and you already know you're not supposed to be. They're not helping you encounter God. As a matter of fact, the more you're with them, the more they become your God. Get rid of them. You're not doing yourselves any favor. You're not inheriting the promised land. And that works for all of us. Look, make a decision tonight. Whatever those things are that you've refused to deal with, serve them in eviction notice tonight and kick them out because we want to inherit the abundant life. We want to step in and inherit the promised land, okay? So serve some eviction notices tonight. Otherwise, they will give you trouble in the land where you live. You got to get rid of them. Men, at the next men's breakfast, April 2nd, I'm double dog daring you right now. Come to men's breakfast. We're gonna deal with something that men have allowed to live too long in their lives and it needs to be kicked out and evicted so you can enjoy an abundant life. You wanna be here, I dare you, I double dog dare you. If you're not here, Gary Becker's gonna come hunt you down. Here's just a thought. The refusal to step in and take the land leads to settling in the desert. We can survive there, but we can't thrive there. It won't happen. 40 years they were out there. That's a long time for a three-week journey, don't you think? Letter B, do your part and he'll do his. Exodus 23, 22 through 24 says, look, summarized, if you do everything that the Lord is commanding you to do, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I'll oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land with all those lights in it and I'll wipe them out. That's what God promised to do, but don't bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones. You've got to do your part and he'll do his. So here are a couple things to do now that you've decided to kick out the inhabitants. I'm double clutching, guys. Number one, pick your traveling partners wisely. Pick your traveling partners wisely. Numbers 13 and Numbers 14 give you the account of Caleb and Joshua. Those were the two cats that came back with a good report. They believed that God would do what God said he would do. The other 10 talked the rest of the Israelite nation into getting stuck out there in the desert. If you have naysayers in your life and you're trying to move forward in the things of God, don't listen to them. Get in a life group. Go to Married for Life. Get plugged in and find you some Joshua and Caleb's because they will encourage you. They'll build you up. They'll pray for you. They will stand in faith with you and they'll hold you accountable. And we need that in our life. Mm. Your relationships will make you or break you. It's that simple. Remember, misery loves company and birds of a feather flock together. Number two, follow his directions. He knows the way. James 1, 22 through 25 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. His blessing, his blessing does not come from knowing his plan. His blessing comes from doing his plan. There's a huge difference. Number three, 
The possession of the promised land takes faith. We use that word a lot. A synonym for faith is trust. In Numbers 13 and 14, they come back. The two, the two guys are ready to go kick in some doors. You know what I'm saying? The other 10 didn't. And for 38 years, they got stuck out there and everybody 20 and over died. And God talks to Moses there and he says, let me tell you why. It's because they hold me in contempt. They don't trust me. How long are they not gonna trust me? And so they died because they wouldn't take God at his word and step in and do what he said to possess the land. Second Corinthians 5, 7 We walk by faith and not by sight. Those naysayers came back because they were afraid of what they saw. Maybe those issues in your life, you've been afraid to deal with them because you think they're too big. Don't look at it that way. Your God is bigger than whatever that thing is. Don't cohabitate with that thing. Kick it out. Walk in faith. And I end with this, Joshua 18, 3. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord has given you? How long will you wait? You don't need to wait any more. Take possession. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.